The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue and mock my words well. How about this rumor that you are really hired, Mr. Stark? Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Rydacat, and you can find me at Rydacat on Twitter. You can also find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. And uh, with me tonight, uh, as you can hear, is providing the sound effects as usual, our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? We're Brooklyn at! We're Brooklyn at! We're Brooklyn at! Indeed. And you can find this here uh, podcast on... Um, uh, I'm sorry. You find this podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Network at CSPN.us. Today. You can also subscribe to this podcast at your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and this Cold Slither, uh, Cold Slither Podcast SoundCloud page. Uh, tonight, folks, we have. Some new releases, believe it or not. This, this is a, neat, a week where we have um, some enough books that we can actually, you know, that we actually peruse and go over, so that we can we can um, let you folks know about. You know, they're still kind of spotty with the you know uh, with the releases right now, so it's going to be that way for probably the next couple of weeks to a month. I don't even know anymore, but they are slowly, surely getting out new releases. And uh, I think next week we are going to do um, another event because we've, unless something's changed with the with the release schedule, um, and I don't think it has, we will be doing another um, an event next week. As far as I know, right? As far as I know, Marvel will be back to releasing a bunch of trade paperbacks next week for direct market release. As for uh, DC and Image, you've got a nice little crop of some of the uh, DC and Image books that we read this week. Yeah. So we actually probably won't get too much in, in terms of DC Image, IDW, or Boom uh, next week for our, um, you know, for our review. So, And if we do, we'll probably just fold it into the following week. But Ultimately, um, we're still on this sort of alternating schedule for a little while longer. Yeah, pretty much. And with that, uh, let us get into said new releases. Starting off with uh, Black Cat, number 11. Absolutely. This is uh, written by Jed McKay, who has been giving us a very solid Black Cat solo series to this point. The artist on this book is, I believe, um, uh, I don't know if this is the artist's first time on this book, but the artist C.F. Via, 
B-I-L-L-A. Uh, the color artist is Brian Raber, and the letter is Ferran Delgado. And, of course, there is a J. Scott Campbell cover. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, so this was... The, so, anytime we've talked about uh, this Black Cat book, we end up saying relatively the same thing in that it is a fun romp, and it is, and it continues to be. So that's that is not something... Um, that has changed in, in this issue. Uh, it, the, 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 the beats of it, you know, this is one of the few books that we were talking about uh, in the before the show was like, yeah, it's kind of easy to kind of keep up with this one because she's pretty much still on the same path as she's been. She, 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 and the, the black foxes uh, are uh, planning this big heist of this vault. Um, I believe that it involves the, the, uh, I was about to say Sea of Thieves, but the Guild of Thieves, the Thieves Guild. Um, right, it's the New York branch of the Thieves Guild. So, exactly. you know, as we've as we've related, uh, as we've relayed uh, in prior uh, episodes when we've discussed the Black Cat, one of the things, one of the concepts that uh, has been expanded upon by McKay is the, uh, the Thieves Guild. Uh, I don't know if this character had previously appeared. But Odessa Drake and uh, the New York Thieves Guild, in particular, have you know are are kind of front and center in this uh, Black Cat story that he's telling. Right. In fact, uh, so much to the point that uh, there is a war wage with the the, the Thieves Guild, aka also um, uh, Odessa Drake, with Black Cat that has been escalated as of recent issues. But we don't really get to any of that here because that's kind of one thing that kind of comes folds in and out of the, the ongoing plot here. And with this issue, we find that apparently, well, which we kind of knew about if you've uh, if you've paid any attention to Black Cat in any length of time and over the years, especially recently, you don't care too much for redheads because they've been the bane of our existence to a point. I like that. That was such. It's been a great uh, kind of running joke. Mm-hmm. in this so i mean just to just to kind of create the the atmosphere for the book and 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 uh, give our listeners and viewers the broad stroke summary uh felicia is still working on her uh plan you know basically hatched by her her uh mentor uh, the black fox to to rob this vault and she's basically gotten lots of parts in place to do it think and we've said this before and we'll say it again i think even the creators would would say this think oceans 11 on the marvel comics scale and uh this particular uh caper in uh requires a particular piece of equipment to help things go right and the only way to get this particular piece of equipment is that um it has to be built. And where can you build it? Da, da, da. No other place than Stark Unlimited, and you know that is what, uh, and you know which guest star you're going to get when you bring in Stark Unlimited. Well, actually, and that usually depends on what needs to be built because there are other places in the Marvel Universe that you can build stuff, but that also depends on what it is. But she's already tapped a whole bunch of that. Like she's she's went to the magic corner, she's went to to, to the back, not the back of the building. That's not even a, um, 
that is not even the forefront anymore. But you know, she went to Ancestry. She, she she's she's gone into a whole bunch of places in the Marvel universe to get other things. And now, as uh, Agent Seventy said, she's she's hitting up Stark Unlimited, which I called it Stark Industries, but that's an old name. Could have been Stark Enterprises. I know, right? I almost said that too. Yeah. <laughs> Like, just go back and say Circus Maximus while we're at it. Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, so she, so, so, so his Felicia happened to go to Stark Unlimited to, uh, to build this key. Uh, oh yeah, she's also going to, um, uh, Danny Rand's building and got some, some tech from him, which is why she needs this key to, for the, I guess, one of the final pieces, um, to use. Of, of the plan. So she has to go infiltrate Stark Unlimited. She, to do that, she basically uses, um, you know, her whole crew's knowledge, including some other, I don't know who this other person who built that key. I, uh, assuming they came in last issue or something, because I don't know where that person actually came from. I'm like, and granted, right, it's that, been a minute. That lady, I wasn't sure. Yeah, so 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 this other person that that's now a part of the crew built this built the machine from this from the from Danny Rand's office off of off of the specs that Felicia's gotten. So now they need this key. Felicia's infiltrating Stark Unlimited, so she has to get t- close to Tony Stark. She, she so she and the crew, and as as the the uh, issue is going along, you know we see her actually going through her you know going through the plan while. Uh, every other page is going through the parts of the plan that you know calls for what comes next. So, and as um, Agent Seventy said, kind of in Ocean's Eleven fashion. Oh, sure, leverage, they're running. You know, yeah, they're running. Been on bastard. I'm not sure why I'm here. Yeah, yeah. So they're 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 running a scheme that apparently I don't know if it's a real scheme or if it's one that they made up for this or whatever. But it's not unlocked. You know. You get the gist of it as it's going through, so it doesn't really matter what the name of it is. It's just like, hey, yeah, this is a scheme, and here we go. We're running it, and and every other page is kind of uh, going by what it needs. So we're going through that. Felicia's talking to Stark, and of course, you know what? What would be the thing that would get to Tony Stark? A redhead woman that disagrees with him. Actually, it could be any woman that disagrees with him because Tony hasn't had any redheaded women in his life that has disagreed with him. What up, Pepper? What up, uh, Bethany Cave? What up, Kathy, Kathy Dare, who shot him? But that's a, that's a, so, so uh, that's another thing entirely, you know. I was gonna say, what's up, Mary Jane Watson? What's up, Mary Jane Watson? Exactly. Well, yeah, she wasn't a love interest, but yes, she was definitely, she is definitely still fits in that category because, you know, as a, as, as a most recently. So. Mm. But yeah, so that happens, and then so um, you know, as the as the scheme goes along, Mary, I mean Mary Jane Lord, Felicia do anything? But she but it gets to the point where it's like, well, this is not going to hold up because you know he's going to start seeing through stuff, and then she needs a distraction, which calls in Iron Man into play. So Tony starts sort of goes in that. No, without giving away the whole whole thing, but you kind of get get the beats of it. Uh, she ends up getting to her objective, getting what she needs, but Tony gets wind of it. Uh, and then goes after her. So while she's here, she decides to make a little, uh, another little prep project for herself. And at the end of the issue, we see the fruits of this, um, which is weird because it, because the, uh, the main objective took way longer than it did to get this, uh, this piece that she, her, this her little project of hers. And yet it wasn't what, I, what uh, I would say on to that. Uh, hear myself. Um, Hmm. Say in response to that, uh, the the nanofold 
probably very. It's probably free program with lots of farmers. So more than likely, yeah. But it can out very quickly. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that would make more sense. I mean that definitely makes sense because yeah, Tony Stark of course is going to be making armors for him. So, but yeah. So uh, apparently Felicia, who quickly got um, got uh, used to how this thing works, you know, and she was even which I thought at first was like okay, she was doing this other little thing with it while this uh, while this other um, this key was being made in the Nano Forge that she needed. And I was like, well, that's going to be the one that probably gets her caught, if, even if she got out of here. But no, Tony called her, excuse me. And so she was like, well, let me make this armor real quick. Spoiler alert, folks. Black Cat now has armor. So I guess we can call her the Iron Cat, War Cat. Right. I don't know. I hadn't really thought of a name, but I, I had it in my notes. It's like, okay, Iron Cat, here we go. I love the next month teaser, Full Metal Black Cat. Yes, yeah. Shout out to Full Metal Alchemist. But um, but yeah. So and you can see because I think it even says it on. If it's not said it's on the cover, it says it uh, somewhere. On, I think the first page of the book is like Full Metal, you know, part you know, Full Metal Cat, Black Cat, something like that, part one. So and this is where we get to that. So it was a fun book, and I enjoyed Black Cat been reading it, and I'm curious to see what's um you know, where she, what she's going to do with this armor, if she's going to keep it or if it, if it gets taken from her next, you know, in the next issue or two. Um, but the only thing that was kind of weird about this was like, she mentioned something about her quantum probability pulsator, which I assume that's her bad, her bad luck uh, power. And I'm sitting here right. like, wait, I thought that was something like given, you know, given to her, not necessarily a thing. I wasn't sure about that myself. So I was like, that was kind of weird because it's always like, yeah, her bad luck powers. That's all we've ever heard about her, but I've never heard of her, you know, unless that's just some fancy name she gave to it. But, you know, it that seems like more of a thing that because she, she even said she turns it, she turned it off because so Stark was it. So because Stark was scanning her. Right. Right. I'm not sure exactly where that comes in. That's probably going to be something either for a no prize, you know, shout out to the Marvel traditional no prize, or uh, that may become more evident as the story plays out. But that was new to me as well. Right. So, yeah, that's, and that's something I neglected to look up uh, prior to, well, after reading it. So I was like, but I put it in my notes because I wanted to bring it up. I'm like, that's okay. Sure. That's something I to look up for later. It's a not knowing that myself. So, you yeah, know, okay. So I don't feel so bad the, then. Yeah, yeah I, I, it's probably worth a Google search, maybe a, take a quick peek at the Ohatmu, but obviously the Ohatmu is uh, pretty outdated at this point, so they've probably changed a lot about the character since. Right. So we see. Yeah, but, yeah I'm pretty sure that that is something for, for some other time. If someone out there knows, I'm sure they'll they'll get in contact with us, but if not, we can we can look it up, it's fine. Uh, to, I'm sorry. I said feel free to chime in, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, but while that is going on, we will go to our next book. And I guess since we're kind of sort of in the spider corner, we will go to Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 617. Excuse me. Sure. In fact, oh, shoot. I knew there was something I forgot to do that I actually need to do right here. before. We, so if you want to go ahead and talk about that while I'm doing what I'm doing, I would, you know. Sure. So... 
On this book, we have Saladin Ahmed as the writer, Carmen Carnero as the penciler, and David Curiel as the color artist of VC's Corey Pettit on letters. So we open the story with Miles swinging through the streets of Brooklyn, thinking about what's been happening as a result of the outlawed one-shot and the, uh, the, the after-effects of that outlawed one-shot. Uh, we were actually discussing that just prior to going on the air uh, because we could not remember exactly when Outlawed came out, but I, uh, I remember it because I did read it and Roddy Cat still has to catch up on it. But uh, in broad strokes, the Outlawed uh, event basically uh, involved, much like the events of Civil War, uh, some underage heroes who basically created something that the general public react to and as a result um, this underage uh, you know this regulation of underage superheroes uh, uh, was instituted while Spidey's thinking of this he runs into a kid who uh, is crying and uh, you know basically proceeds to cheer the kid up give him some props about his self-designed clothes whether or not this kid uh, comes back remains to be seen. It's likely that he's going to become a continuing background character, at least, you know, for uh, here and there. Yeah, or dipping in, like, like um, what's the, 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 I want to call it Sparrow. I don't, can't remember if that's her name or not. Starling. Kind of, kind Starling. Of, yeah, kind of dips in out every, which we haven't seen her in a few issues, but that's beside the point. Um, right, a character kind of comes in and out like that. Right, but that's not you know that's not uncommon. At least uh, at least in this book, that has had to deal with several. Uh, well, at least in this in this regard, it's dealing with uh, the after effects of something that is um, a pseudo crossover event. Right. With with the uh, uh, no, and I'm re- I'm referring to outlawed. Uh, Spidey Miles runs into Dum Dum Dugan and a task force of Cradle, the child hero reconnaissance and disruption law enforcement. Good grief. Which I saw uh, that and I was like, so so here's one of those things where okay, yeah, the 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 the, the beginning of the book where it uh, outlines the uh you know what has happened front is kind of gives you a little bit of backstory into you know kind of gives you a little bit of into what happened in and outlawed going into this. So is is kind of enough uh, that being, well, not kind of enough, but because obviously you don't know what actually actually happened, but it gives you the broad strokes of it. That being said, I saw Cradle there in that, and I'm like, Cradle, what the heck? And then Dum Dum Diggins comes in here and says out the whole thing, like it, like it did with Shield. I'm like, wait, C H R A? What 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 is why, why these with these acronyms? <laughs> but it's I also just, kind of refreshing to still see though, because <laughs> like there was an acronym for every other thing back in the day. For every other group back in the day, and I'm, I'm kind of happy to see that's still going. But it's but wow, they're still kind of out there. That was one of those. I, I just let it. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like okay, sure, whatever. But I, but I sat there for a second. I'm like, really, cradle. So anyway, you know, uh, dum dum. So yeah, dum dum comes in. Spidey and kind of it really makes short work of dum dum and crew before he goes off. Uh, and you know, and and does his thing. With his parents, so uh, according, to, it wasn't exact acting for bear, right? And 
you know, he basically got his butt handed to him. And his team got its butt handed to it. So uh, it's unlikely that that's going to happen again. Um, right. We follow up with uh, Miles making his way to school, and the school is under uh, inspection by Cradle, where they're there to, uh, you know, speak to uh, students because of um, the Green Goblin's attack from several issues back, uh, where the Green Goblin, the ultimate Green Goblin, had been looking for uh, Miles' Spider Man. And, uh, you know, had been asking specifically for Spider-Man at the high school. So uh, uh, this is, uh, you know, just a clue for Cradle to follow. Mm. But Cradle gets called away because Dum Dum uh, basically calls them in as um, reinforcements to his group as they look for uh, the now uh, incognito Spider-Man. Right. Yeah, so that happens, and then we cut to uh, Miles having having a nice dinner with his fam, including little, new little babysitter. Which, by the way, if you hadn't read um, uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man 16, you definitely should. Um, by virtue of the fact that I didn't uh, read it initially, even though it has nothing to do with this, uh, this issue, but it, it was still a good uh, issue because it was basically Miles and the baby sister are off on an adventure and then something happens with his uncle Aaron that will play out that may pay may also have something to do with what happened near the end of this issue in that after Miles um, after Miles leaves his parents because they are went oh, off the baby hey, I, would, I would say hold on to that thought Hold on to that thought. I would just add that during this dinner, they have a conversation where Miles' parents are kind of split about his continued superheroics in the wake of this new right. uh, law and registration requirement being put into effect. Right, 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 right. So yeah, so that was the, that's pretty much takes care of the crux of this you know this outlawed tie-in issue. Uh, but then like, once he leaves uh, them and he goes back home and they go off to somewhere else. They, he goes back to the house and finds out that it's been ramshackled and he gets attacked by somebody who's pretty fast, especially for, you know, someone of his, um, of his abilities, you know, and gets, gets to jump on him. And what we find out at the end of the issue that it's, uh, hold on, hold on. Miles beats himself up. Ah. Or. Actually, is it someone we don't know who it is, but we may have an idea. I feel like we may or may not have an idea of who this is, dressed in in Miles' uh, Spidey suit. And I have a really, unless something actually has happened to this person prior to this, I have a sneaking suspicion I might know who it is, if especially if it has anything to do with last issue. I don't remember what happened in last issue. I mean, I can, yeah. Like I said, it, uh, by virtue of the fact that I read it, you know, I read this, these two back to back. That's the only reason why I even uh, know. But it's basically, it's basically that whole issue with um, Ultimatum and, you know, um, Miles' uncle Aaron being a prowler again and working for him. And the Ultimatum ends up finding out a, a key piece of information that may have something to do with multiversal uh, reasonings. And um, that he's going to draw Miles in at some point. Like I said, you know, if this was a, uh, by and large an outlawed tie-in this issue, but I think that last the last part of it may have something to do with uh, what the ongoing stuff. Because you know they do this kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, the crux of the book of a tie-in book happens to either 
you know, either directly or indirectly tie into the the event that is going by, and then some shades of what's going on in the, the natural world just to kind of keep that kind of flowing. So we'll see how that well, but so we'll see how that pans out next issue, unless that's another outlaw tie-in issue. I don't know. Um, unless you got something else on that one, nope, we can nope, move nope. on. Um, What's next? You got a want some book you want to put out? Uh, I'll talk about something that I decided to read because it was a number one issue, and that is an image book entitled Adventure Man. Number one, uh, it is written, it's actually created by Matt Fraction and Terry Dotson. The script is by Matt Fraction. The pencils and colors are by Terry Dotson, and the inks are by Rachel Dotson and letters by Clayton Cowles. Uh, in a nutshell, this is a pulp story in the tradition, or at least it starts as a pulp story in the tradition of Doc Savage and Johnny Quest, but it's about to get turned on its head and reinterpreted for the modern age with new uh, protagonists. So it took a definite swerve halfway through the book, and it was a very interesting read. So it is something that I look forward to catching up. Uh, I look forward to keeping up with as we uh, as we go forward. Okay, I didn't know if uh, Fraction had a new book out. I may check that out. I, I, I've liked a lot of his work. So, that's actually pretty cool. Um, who's, uh, I'm sorry, who put, who's putting this out? This is Image. Okay, nice. Cool beans, cool beans. Um, but that being the case, um, unless you want to throw out another one, we can go on to... Actually, wait, mm, Let's talk about Excalibur, and then we can go on to like rapid fire. Sure, um, I read it uh, very quickly, not really understanding what had happened recently. So, yeah. you can help fill in some of those blanks. No, I can't um, because oh. I'm kind of sort of in the same boat. Like I remember leading up to the last issue, I remember the kind of what was going on. But going into this issue, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't remember what happened last issue. I'm not even sure if I even... I feel like I read last issue, but I don't remember anything about it, un, unlike uh, New Mutants. Um, but so in this one, we find... Yep. Pandemic. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, but in this one, we find uh, Betsy, a.k.a. Uh, Betsy Braddock, a.k.a. Captain Britain... Uh, and the crew of Excalibur in London, and they're seemingly being well. They can't get back to Krakoa because something, something supposedly Krakoa bombed uh, London for some odd reason, but we're not sure why. And you know, we see this red sky, you know, that we don't really get anything that probably should have, uh, on hindsight, that probably should have told us something wasn't, you know, something wasn't one hundred percent square. Um, but we see them kind of running around, uh, getting, getting attacked by the police and, you know, trying to get back to Krakor, but they can't. And Betsy can't get to, over, um, um, wait, what is it called? Overworld? I forgot what Other. it's called. Otherworld. Thank you. I was like, there's too many worlds. Can't get to over the other world, even though she's been trying. So now they have to kind of try to get out of London because, you know, London's pretty much at a, in a war state. 
uh, and they were like, well, let's get a, get a boat. Well, by the time we get a boat, we can't, you know, that we won't be able to do it because, uh, you know, if we could get a boat, there won't be any fuel to get back to core. Just so happens. And here's the part that makes things even worse for not knowing about what's going on. We see one Kate pride show up in a flying pirate boat. Now, the last time we talked about new, uh, new, uh, new books, we talked about Marauders and we got to know that, um, uh, that, um, and Marauder for a few issues has Cape Pride in let's just say a different state. Yes. <laughs> um, if you're not keep if you're you know we won't still want, even though it's been a, a couple of weeks or a month or whatever it's going to be, we won't spoil it. Actually, it's been a couple of weeks, but regardless, she's in another state. So clearly, either this is taking place before whatever happened in Marauders, or what we end up finding out. Um, which is also still weird because, you know, like I said, people are kind of going about this, but they, well, I guess this part about it was like, well, people may not know, not everybody may not know what's going on in the Marauders that hasn't caught back, filtered back up yet. So that could be a thing that's justified. Anyway, regardless, she shows up, her and Rachel, Pry, Rachel uh, Summers, which honestly, once that happened, uh, I was like, okay, are we going to get Nightcrawler and the rest of Excalibur, the, the OG Excalibur showing up in this book? Um, but sadly, we do not. So anyway, Kate shows up in the boat and swoops everybody up and saying, yeah, we're trying to get back to Krakoa because, you know, it just so happened to be in the neighborhood. Uh, Bessie wants to go to the lighthouse because reasons. Um, and they all go. Also, she said, uh, Kate says, well, well I went and picked, went by the lighthouse and I picked up Pete Wisdom, who got shot to, almost to death. Uh, so he's on the boat and, you know, which I do remember when Betsy and Pete was like, yeah, uh, you need to come to Krakoa, Pete. And Pete was like, no, nah, I'm staying here. I'm, you know, <laughs> saying that was like a couple of issues back. So, so they did that. They ended up going to the lighthouse and come to find out, long story short, too late, um, that all of this was an um, elaborate pocket universe pocket reality thanks to her uh thanks to betsy's brother jamie braddock who is the king of Otherworld at this point right uh and we also find out that um there is another version of betsy that is tied up in bondage where in in and jamie's um i guess in the actual reality i'm not that's so they explained this at the end but still it's kind of like okay when and what does this happen so basically what happened was jamie braddox who has reality distorting powers made a different reality uh apparently betsy's tied up in one and she's and another part of her or something is still running around as as she is in, in captain britain as captain britain and this is the world that that uh that we've been seeing um, and he's been bombarding the world, I guess, trying to split the world again in service of basically bringing back the Captain Captain Britain Corps, which he does possibly at the cost of Betsy Braddock's life. We're not entirely sure about that, but uh, at the, we do know at the end of the issue that everyone that was around her that's in Excalibur, you know, the current team members of Excalibur are now Captain Britain's. Because they all Got have the amulet. Yeah. And this was apparently Jamie's has something to do with Jamie's plan for some other reason. Because he even mentions halfway through the halfway through is like, yeah, once upon a time, and this was a true thing, there was a whole bunch of Captain Britons, and you could even go to whatever Citadel and meet them all. 
you know, the Captain Britain Corps was basically like the Green Lantern Corps and you know, Thor Corps and all that kind of stuff. So, so that's not really hard to a hard thing to 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 justify, you know, to talk about. But yeah, they've all been wiped out like years ago. Um, actually, was it? Yeah, I guess it was kind of kind of. It's been a while. Regardless, at the end of the issue, we see Excalibur turn into Captain Britain. For what reason? Fully, we don't honestly know. But here we go. The name of the book's called Excalibur, so why not have a Captain Britain's a bunch of Captain Britain's rolling around for however long? So, and I guess we'll find out what happens next issue, with uh, or we'll we'll get the the um we we'll get the explanation for what's the full explanation of what's what's all about next issue. But it was still a fairly decent read. Like I said, it kind of threw you off for a second, especially not remembering what happened last issue. Um, cause it's been a minute. And so just going into this is like, wait, when did this, what does this happen? And, mm. and it, it wouldn't surprise me not if last issue had nothing to do with what's going on in there and all of this just happened in the span of a single issue. Wouldn't surprise me at all, but I'm definitely going to go back to the last issue and, and try to fill in the blanks. Agreed. Uh, but yeah, and they do, like I said, there's a nice little handy, um, Hickman X expl- explanation. And uh, uh, after that, as to you know what Jamie did, so at least you got even that. using Hickman's favorite time travel or, or reality shaping term incursion. I love that. I was like, oh, that yes. is so Hickman esque. Yes, yes. And I was like, oh no, it, it's it's, it's it. which I mean, we've said going into you know uh, po- uh, Pox, Hox and Pox that yeah, this is there's a lot of this rings you know rings similar to. Um, Infinity and, and Hickman's run on Avengers, which was still a great run. You should definitely go read it if you can. Going up yeah. into uh, the last Secret Wars. So, no big surprise in that, but it was like, huh, just to see that word out there like that in this corner of the universe, I'm like, oh, okay, bet. Mm. I'm, I'm alright with that. <laughs> so, yeah, so that is um, that is Excalibur number 10. Do you want to throw out another book before we do it, or are you good for we can go rapid fire. Okay, hit it. Here it comes. Man, it's been a while since we had enough books to actually do rapid fire. I know, right? But yeah, I don't whether the last whether, time I spun the minigun. I was about to say whether reading actual said books or yeah, actually having enough. You're right. You know, I can't remember. The, I was looking for the sound effect. Like, where did I stash the minigun? <laughs> yeah. So, all right, so um, do you want me to go first? Yeah, go for it, sure. All right, so I'm going to cover a couple of books, and PCN underscore Dirt also sent us some some review stuff, and it's going to fold into his click of the week. Um, did you read New Mutants number 10? I did, yes. All right, so just in broad strokes, the New Mutants team in Carnelia um, has been overtaken by a fast-growing orb of nightmares being produced by a mutant that they um, – that they were sent to investigate. And the New Mutants cavalry arrives and is just as ineffective. <laughs> that's where we leave at the... That's where we're left at the end of the issue. Do you have anything to add? Um, there is a reference to the 80s movie Poltergeist, which enacts a plan as and that goes, as Agent 70 says, not well. But... <laughs> and I'm sitting here like, wait, are any of the... Now, the older... The actual OG New Mutants... Like are actually old enough to know of Poltergeist 
and that reference to, you know, the reference that they bring up that charges that plan. But, you know, I would imagine some of the other people that are the younger charges would not. Um, but the fact that that was a reference in, and that ends up being what the plan entails. If you know what happens in Poltergeist, you, you will know uh, what they end up doing in a certain sense. So like we won't necessarily go through here, but the fact that that got brought up was like, huh, that's, that's another interesting reference that came up this, this week that I was kind of, I was kind of here for. Um, but yeah, that's All right. pretty much it for that one. All right. Next up for me is Philadelphia number six. This is an image book. I want to stress that, uh, uh, this has been a very strong story. It's uh, by Rodney Barnes, Jason Sean Alexander, and Luis Nick, um, NCT. Uh, this is based on the premise that um, vampirism overtook the, uh, the second president of the United States. That's a big spoiler alert. And uh, things happen to move on from there. That is the, the premise of the book. And that uh, vampires are running amok in Philadelphia. Without spoiling too much, this is the end of the first arc, which is cool. That means there's more to come. And this basically involves the, um, the anti-vampire counterattack against the vampires and where they have been uh, breeding in the areas of the city that they have been uh, – that they, that they essentially rule over. So that is – the crux of this issue. This is a nice little ending to the first story arc. This will make for a very interesting six-issue trade paperback read. Soon Next to up, be, uh, soon to be a live-action. I think it was either a TV show or movie. I can't remember which one, but they definitely got options for something. I was about to say, I'm not surprised. This is definitely right up the pseudo-realistic vi- vampire alley. So uh, this is definitely an excellent premise, and it makes for pretty, uh, pretty crisp reading, as well as uh, you know, for the the people who are into horror, there's plenty of horror um, imagery. There's plenty of horror imagery in the book. Uh, last for me, and I'm going to sort of combine these because this is uh, getting to what I was referring to earlier. In that PCN underscore Dirt did uh, pass on his clicks of the week, and they involve and, and his discussion involved two books that I personally read as well. Uh, just very quickly, the first one I will talk about is Batman number ninety-two. This is, I think, this is the the, the first full appearance, or maybe the second full appearance of Punchline, who is now the Joker's new girlfriend. Don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. Uh, yes, not. I believe that is how she's being tagged as. Which like, uh, why does, first appearance? No, no. Oh, uh, oh, the first appearance. That part I'm, that probably sounds right, but the, I thought you meant the, the Joker's girlfriend part. Oh no, no. It's it's yeah. It's made very clear in the book, actually. Yeah. Which but, I, why does the Joker need another girlfriend? But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Because continue. Right. So uh, the rest of the issue involves Batman beating the Riddler at his own game yet again. But the cliffhanger page reveals yet another villain who seems to be possibly pulling the strings uh, behind what's going on in Gotham. Um, and the other book I was going to talk about before I uh, go into what PCN underscore Dirt passed along is Daredevil number 20. 
this is a serious contender for Click of the Week for me. This issue wraps the most recent story arc, which sees Matt Murdock retake the mantle of Daredevil and ends with a very surprising cliffhanger ending. So I'm going to relay what PCN underscore Dirt um, uh, talks about here with regards to these two books. And um, uh, Daredevil brought a conclusion that he never saw coming as in PCN underscore dirt, and left a dangling plot thread for another day that very well may linger for a while. And while Batman was mostly hyped for the full debut, right, so that maybe she had been a cameo appearance, uh, she had made a a cameo appearance prior to this issue, but this is probably her full uh, first appearance of the Joker's new girlfriend, Punchline, um, who apparently does very little for PCN underscore dirt as as just... um, does as little for PCN underscore dirt um, as Harley Quinn did for um, in Daredevil. Typhoid Mary is teased as a much more well-rounded character than she's been in a long time and a short but enjoyable Daredevil Kingpin team up that totally makes sense in the story, even if it feels so wrong to his core DNA. So uh, when all the dust settles, uh, he's waiting for the next issue of Batman to come out just to end the current arc so they can move on to something possibly more interesting while the Daredevil issue um, and its current and its, and, its, and its cliffhanger ending has him hooked so um, that is our discussion of those two books not sure why it sounds like those that Punchline and Harley Quinn exist just to be something for Joker's amusement, but that's yeah. No man, I'm not sure that's what he was saying or not. So, um, but hey, whatever. I the, there is a, I do I, I don't know. I haven't read Batman, so but I'm like when I, I did read the stuff about, it, I was like, yeah, Joker's got a new girlfriend. I'm sitting there like, oh, okay, wow, <laughs> like he's an abusive, sadistic jerks. So why would anybody? Anyway, so anyway. That's a whole other situation uh, for a whole different other time. Uh, for my two books, Bitterroot number eight. Bitterroot is back, baby. Well, I should actually came back in, in with an yeah. issue. Yeah, well, not been back as in a uh, you know a last issue anyway. Uh, but yeah, so and I think I know Agent Seventy said he read this, but did not exactly remember the, the full beats of what's going on. Seven. <laughs> so what? Uh, I could not remember what happened in issue seven. Uh, I very vaguely remember. So, uh, so if you did not know about Bitterroot, <laughs> so if you did not know about Bitterroot, Bitterroot is about is a family of demon hunters set in nineteen uh, black uh, family of demon hunters set back in nineteen twenties Harlem. Um, so there are these demons that are. Born out of hate, as some of the demons that we have seen so far basically manifest out of white people. We, you know, we're not going to miss that. Uh, but also, but not just, but not, you know, but not just strictly to, because there's, there's black people and there's other people. There's like a lot of people turn into these things because of either hate or something that turns, or, you know, some force in the background that is turning them into these things that they've been fighting. But the, this fight has been escalated with the uh, fact that 
uh, well, one, the Sangurai family, who were who is the family of this in question, has been fighting these, you know, you know, for generations, and one or two things happen: either they cure them, or they end up killing the the things in, in question. Uh, they've been trying to cure them lately, but the the um, but whatever is making these things into the gene the genu and uh, I can't remember the other word that they use because there are two different types. Uh, are becoming stronger and they are resistant to the serum that they've made up to cure them. And so the family, is, as I remember, was like, and there's this other force that is in Georgia that some are equating to the devil um, um, that has shown up in, the, in the, the beginning arc of the book that ended up getting kind of put to the side and so they can go do something else. Uh, but it's, they kind of crop back up in this issue. So I think what happened between the last issue was that, okay, well, the, clearly they're fighting a war on two fronts and the family decided, especially when some family members thought dead ended up coming back and you have to read the Red Summer special, the Red Summer special one shot special to know about with those. So if you're just reading this, like you'll just see these people pop up and they will actually address the fact that the Red Summer is a thing. And, you know, all some things in the Red Summer kind of explain some things that, that are going on in this book, such as one of the earlier characters of the book now being aged up and now more of a, more of a hardcore fighter than they right. were in the beginning arc of the book. Right. That is not uh, optional reading. That is a, that's pretty much required. Yeah, you, you definitely need to want to read that because, like I said, there, there are so much that gets uh, touched on to come out of that particular one shot that especially feeding into now and going into this next arc um, is, is very necessary. Anyway, long story short though, uh, the, in this issue, the family kind of splits up. There's a, so there's a, a group that goes to down to Georgia to see what's going on down there. And then there's a group that stays in New York to see what they can do now, because like, as these demons or whatever are getting stronger, you know, they need to find their way to, um, to, to, uh, to deal with them. They've now are now working with the police more closely than they have and even outfitting the police with some of their, you know, some, some of their tech, or at least a couple of them that they've worked with previously, um, you know, to deal with these, uh, to deal with, to deal with these monsters. But those don't seem to be working all that well. So that's that one part. And then the group that goes down to Georgia, um, who are already, you know, being confronted by, let's face it, Georgia's racist. There's a lot of racism in Georgia. Uh, and the the sign on the place that they go to even says like, hey, you know, I'm not gonna use the term, but after dark, it's not safe for black folks. Um, yeah, that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty authentic little note there. Yep. So uh, so the team down there ends up getting you know meeting into some resistance, and that's where we leave that off. There's also a little note uh, the, in the in the middle of the book about one particular character, which is one of my favorite characters of the book, Blink uh, Sangurai. She's badass. Like she's basically like so the, the because this is like 1920s, like Harlem, and you know there is a certain status for women, but Blink. You know, uh, being uh, you know strong-minded as she is, and being probably one of the best fighters in. Matter of fact, I believe one of the other family members was like, "Yeah, we should have Blink here," or because she's like the best fighter in the family. But you know, but they've tried to relegate her to like you know being like the the in the background 
but she's not trying to have none of that. And her mom's back in the in the fold, fold so which means so and that's a whole nother thing, but again, that's also some red summer stuff. Um and she's with one of her uncles who is being blamed for what happened in the Red Summer uh, uh, event. And so they have to work together and she doesn't like him, but they have a little moment in, with, between the them that I thought was kind of, you know, touching in itself. If you're not reading Beta Root, you should. It is a good book. And I believe it is also another book that is optioned for some live action, live, uh, action adaptation. Definitely. So you should definitely check this out. It's one of my favorite books uh, uh, currently. Uh, but this is Rapid Fire and I've spent way too long on that. Uh, Justice League 46, my last book. Um, so I had to read this in 40. Wait, is this, is this actually, this is actually 46, right? I need to make sure. Yeah, this is 46. Okay. So, um, and, and I say that cause like I, I read this in 45, like back to back. Cause we talked about 45 and I, the, the last time it came up, um, the book, not that the idiot had right. charged it a, a month ago. Yeah. yeah like, Three weeks ago, something like that. Yeah, it was a, it was a couple because I think this has come out about weekly, so I think it probably was a couple of weeks ago. So reading that behind this, and I was, still didn't read forty four because you know into what I have in that. But regardless, so the Spectre was running wild and 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 basically going after the Justice League uh, in the last book, and basically in kind of messing with their um, uh, temperaments and kind of taking control of their emotions in a sense, and they were fighting each other. Uh, apparently what we come to find out, I believe then was that Jim Corrigan, who was the human host for, host for the specter is like decided he's had enough. So he's not going like this whole thing of being a specter is like, okay, I'm supposed to be the hand of God. And as opposed to the human host is supposed to kind of have some say in that, but you know, something's not, something's hasn't been happening. Right. So Jim Corrigan was like, Nope, I'm out. So he goes to Tartarus, apparently, as we find out in this. The Justice League go to f- try to find him because the Spectre's just running wild by itself. Um, and the team goes to Themyscira, which is uh, Wonder Woman's home spot. Um, and they end up having, and the Spectre ends up taking over the Amazons because, you know, no man is supposed to be on the island, which, what you know, that was before they got, well, Wonder Woman and the team got caught, basically, um, which you knew was going to happen. Because that seems to be something that you know happened more than once. They get into a fight with the Justice League. Wonder Woman ends up being the one that's leading the charge because she is her sisters and it's her call. Because and I know so Green Lantern is supposed to be the head of the um, supposed to be leading the team, but he spends. Which I guess sometimes a, lead, a good leader knows when to delegate. You know, knows when to to give up the lead to other people. So, but it feels like in in the time that he's supposed to be the leader, he's been doing more of that than not. I don't know. That's kind of weird. Regardless, the team goes through and does that, and they end up going to this, uh, going to Tartarus, and they find Jim Corrigan, who's aged, uh, because I guess he's been there for a while. And when they find him, and he, Jim Corrigan explains himself uh, as to what's going on, and he's like, oh, I made a mistake, or whatever it may be. We find out that at the end of this issue, another person that is in there. Uh, that was alluded to, I believe, last issue, or either at the beginning of this issue or last issue, that was alluded to be there, shows up and is probably going to fight the Justice League or what's left of the Justice League because the Green Lantern uh, went to keep the Amazons from killing each other. So, and that is where we leave the um, the uh, the end of this issue. It was a good, like, like I said, not knowing, there's a, there's a part of this 
having not remembered or not read issue 44, you know, going into this to, to remember what actually happened to, to get to this point uh, right. was a thing. But, you know, I feel like it's, and DC is not known for them saying, hey, having recap pages in the front of their book. So you kind of just kind of go with what it is. Unless you've done some thunderly reading yourself. But that's it. Right. Sometimes they will be like, yeah, well, you know, hey, this happened and this, this and that other, but they didn't really do much of that in this one. And that, folks, is it for me. We can get two clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. All um, right. Um, I can lead off because it turns out I have the same click of the week as... PCN underscore dirt, and that is a Daredevil number 20. We both appreciated that it was a great wrap up to the most recent story arc, and with the surprising cliffhanger ending, it leaves us wanting more and to see where we're going in the next issue. So, Daredevil number 20 for myself and PCN underscore dirt. Um. Okay, what just happened? Oh, all right. I've totally forgot to ask Tim, so I'm asking him right now. He probably won't get it. But, um, but for myself, I'm going to go with Black Cat number eleven. I think, yeah, because that was pretty much the this the standout. Like Excalibur being what it was was kind of the potential of the, the of the OG coming back, then the OG crew kind of being in the mix, or at least some of them. Uh, was a good was cool but it didn't happen like I thought it was so that makes me uh, that gives me a sad but hey just the fact that they showed up regardless of the situation was was a thing but Black Cat continuously fun book and um, like while I wait for well we're not gonna wait if if Tim decides to um, give an answer then so be it but we will move on to the news but first an ad read our first ad read of the night is for Funko, Fun at First Sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise such as custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off, and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcasts free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through cspn.us. Do it today. Now we get into the news. And as and I forgot to mention with Brutal Root, there's a character in there named Berg who's one of the cousins who basically is who's basically like nineties uh X Men uh animated series uh beast. And if you know how Beast was in that show, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so we are now going into the cinematic news. And we are starting off with uh, Avatar. The last Bender fans 
rediscover a special moment between Iroh and Zuko. Now, you folks, if you're not aware that um, Avatar, the last ever been to the show, uh, not the movie, is on Netflix right now. I don't know what you're doing with yourself. Um, and I've kind of been slowly kind of going through that myself, even though I've done a rewatch like last year. Like I've kind of been watching some episodes here and there. And that's because I said I was going to watch Korra and I never did. But I'll get to that. Regardless, um, so yeah, Avatar Last Bend is on Netflix and fans are rediscovering all sorts of amazing moments between Uncle Iroh and Prince Zuko. I do love their relationship at, at some certain points. Because, you know, Zuko is kind of a hot as, well, he's Fire Nation. Of course, he's a hothead. But, you know, he learns to temper himself. And I, and I just love Uncle Iroh. Iroh is probably one of my favorite characters in that show. I don't know if uh, Agent uh, Agent Seventy, if you watched or if you watched, oh, you should watch nope. it. It's it's really good. It is really good. But uh, Uncle Iroh was probably next to Appa is probably one of my favorite characters in the book. He just kind of, you know, sadly, uh, the voice actor who played Uncle Iroh, who also played Aku in uh, Samurai Jack, died in the middle of it, and there was a uh, touching moment uh, with one of the, with, I believe, the last episode that he shows up in, where he's singing a song. Uh, and I don't know if this is it, actually. Um, hang on, let me see if this is it. No, this is not it. Okay, so yeah, there's such a moment where Iroh's basically out there singing about... I think the song he's singing is kind of about death, and come to find out that uh, the, it's basically the, the voice actor singing about his, you know, his troubles with cancer that ultimately ended up, you know, uh, of killing him. So it's touching on a couple of different fronts, but that's a whole other situation than this one we're talking about here. Uh, and apparently it says here that um, there is an amazing exchange once Iroh has been imprisoned and comes face to face with his nephew, which not as I'm trying to remember which time, because there was a couple of times where that happened. Um, great read of a scene. If you enjoy jokes about the series, tell some fun. Okay, uh, one thing that the older man tries to teach his charge at every turn is that the mental approach to conflict is equally important to the physical one. Other than the now even worthy approach to honor in the show, uh, it's one of Zico's biggest battlegrounds, which is true. The exchange between the two men illuminates how being trapped can be a state of mind, and Iroh is completely at peace. So then you see the tweet here in the um, <clears throat> in the article. Um, so yeah, you can check that out uh, when you uh, when you when you feel like it. Watch Avatar. Avatar. It's a great show. Next up. All right. Is this even a real new story to talk about? Um, yeah. You can gloss over it. You don't have to. Yeah, don't move on. Uh, well, no, I didn't say move on. I'm just saying just kind of, just kind of. Hey, guess what? I mean, listen, you're the news. You're the news hound. But I mean, this is Marina Sirtis uh, attempting to uh, poke Lin Manuel Miranda to saying something more than just a mere platitude online. Uh, because she's angry and outraged over the uh, events after the uh, you know uh, after the uh, after the events of the death of George Floyd and protests, so you know now she wants to walk back these comments. So that's it, right? Because she put her foot in her mouth. Which basically the other reason why I put it in is like, man, celebrities putting their foot feet in their mouths and saying the stupidest thing more and more lately for no apparent reason. Sometimes you can just learn to shut up. 
Um, and actually, not even just celebrities, but that's, that's neither here nor there, because there are a lot of people who are talking mad stupid stuff out there lately. Anyway, WandaVision resumes filming next month, apparently. Um, so after being shut down by the coronavirus, WandaVision is heading back to Los Angeles for more filming. Uh, the news came from the Tampa Bay Convention, uh, Comic Convention, which apparently happened. I don't, is that okay? Weird. Uh, which announced that Vision actor Paul Bettany had to cancel an appearance so he could film the Marvel Cinematic Universe series. Um, apparently, do virtual stuff. I know that San Diego is doing virtual stuff. They're planning on that too. So that right, we're no, we, yeah, we got news on that one. They uh, may be that may be a side effect of that. You know, uh-huh. they may have to cancel personal appearances because they're getting back into shooting schedules. But yeah, so basically, I guess there's a quote here saying, we finally received word from Paul Bettany's representation, and unfortunately, Paul had to cancel his printing at TBCC this year due to being called back by Disney for WandaVision filming this July in Los Angeles, the Post read. We're working on guest editions. So yeah, there's that. Next up. Uh, the Mandalorian had its entire season pre-visualized before filming began. So this, I think, is a story that comes out of the um was it the gallery yes uh, uh, the, the gallery um uh documentary series that is out on disney plus now i actually caught up on that and watched the uh, the rest of them after i caught the first one um i think the rest of them have been released since i caught the first one so um basically uh the the the, the team behind the mandalorian discussed how um the entire story behind the first season was in previs. That's the, the acronym that they use. That's the shortening of pre-visualization that they use that involves um, uh, kind of a mix of special effects and animation to produce what the, um, what the story is going to look like, especially how they, uh, they filmed this particular show on a fairly small soundstage but using um i forget what they called it the um it's basically like a gigantic room full of screens and it's a really interesting it's an interesting documentary to watch i highly recommend it yeah and i know we've talked about so because i know this is some, someone's gonna hear this and like wait didn't y'all talk about something like this before yes we did in fact we probably talked about this very process the, the actual process and um before because i know it's come up in here before but yeah that being said you should definitely i haven't checked them out yet but i've like caught a little bit of it in passing um check out those gallery series it's actually pretty uh, interesting to watch next up uh 10 mcu locations you can actually visit in real life uh so yeah so you've there's a lot of there's some folks in i mean there's um you know Here's a whole list of places where you can actually go that Marvel's done some filming in. Like Sokovia, for instance, which is not a real place, but still. is apparently an, uh, an English castle in Dover. Yeah, it says the castle where Hydra's base is situated is Fort Baird. No, excuse me, Fort Baird in Italy, but the interior was shot in the tunnels of Dover Castle in England. Uh, the town of Veres, Italy, also stands in for the streets of Novigrad and Sokovia, so you, you get the picture of what's going on here. Warrior Falls from the Black Panther, uh, the Forest of Asgard, Avengers uh, Facility, um, which is apparently a, is, um, is a digitally manipulated version of the Porsche Experience uh, Center 
and from Georgia. So you get the point. And there's a, a few more that are like that. Hell's Kitchen. I was about to say the streets of New York. Come yes. on. I mean, yeah, you know, <laughs> New Asgard, which is basically some, you know, some place in Norway. Um, and Culver City again. Well, there's a couple of other places. Uh, so, wait, there's one that we haven't seen here yet that there's, um, well, I guess we guess, well, technically, I guess we have. Uh, the city of Adelan. <laughs> y'all, do y'all remember the Inhumans? No. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, it is on Disney Plus. It is on Disney Plus, and I still haven't watched it. So that's a whole other situation. But regardless, here's a whole list of places you can visit when you know things are a little bit better if you so decide. Or at the very least, you, some of these places will probably not be able to visit, but you can know that there are real world locations too. Next up. All right. So we have already seen the intended release date of Wonder Woman 1984 come and go. That would have been uh, June 5th. Now we it is now Thursday, June 11th, as of the date of this uh, recording and broadcast. So uh, who knows? Maybe we'll see it on August 14th, which is the film's current release date. Probably not. We will see. But in the meantime, in between time, take a look at some uh, suggestions to ease the potentially long wait. It's uh, 17 other female fighters to watch in the meantime. Okay, this is an article on Gizmodo. Mm-hmm. Some of them are not surprising. You got The Bride from Kill Bill. You got uh, Ripley from Aliens. You got... Um, 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 what's her name from from well, Furiosa from Mad Max, etc., etc., etc. Captain Marvel also. Um, they also have one in particular. I know you saw it, right? They mentioned um, Giselle from Fast uh, Fast and Furious. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't look at yet. Yeah, so right after Wonder Woman, they 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 talk about Fast Five. I'm saying like, I don't get me. You know what? Let's move on because don't get me started about that. How in the world? I know, know she had Wonder Woman coming up, but you mean to tell me all those people that supposedly died and came back or and are coming back and they couldn't bring back Giselle? Come on, folks. There's still two more movies coming. You're right, but I still don't think they're going to do it because, uh, and whether she's even going to come back for it either way. Regardless, let us move on to Justice League, Suicide Squad, and more DC. That's a whole nother Fast and Furious thing that we're going to have to talk about one of these days. Uh, I guess when, whenever that next movie comes out next year. But uh, Justice League, Suicide Squad, and more DC movies are leaving HBO Max, but quote-unquote, will be returning. I'm doing air courses if you can see me at this point. Um, It is. So, apparently, um, if you've logged into HBO Max recently, you've noticed that the last chance category uh, movies and TV shows that are set to leave to the service before July 1st is heavily populated with DC movies, Justice League, uh, Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad, Batman v Superman, all the Batman movies, Catwoman, Jonah Hex, uh, and Lego Batman. Even the Lego Batman movies? Wow, weird. In its place, a new rotation of yet unnamed DC movies, which those are the most ones. I mean, what's enough? All the animated ones? Like, they pretty much named all of the live action ones. <laughs> well, I, I guess, well, Superman movies, but still. Huh? Right. I, I have the feeling that it's going to be the animated, the, the bulk of the, uh, the Justice League animated movies that are currently on DC Universe. Right. Where 
those are probably just going to port over to HBO Max and these live action movies are probably going to rotate off. And as you said, they may or may not return. So we'll we'll see. Right. So according to the statement here obtained by someplace, HBO Max will feature a collection of DC films that will rotate on the platform. We have a new batch coming in July and another batch coming in August. The batch that is on right now will be returning, uh, according to whatever quote this is from someone somewhere. So... I guess that's the thing. And we know the Snyder Cuts, who gives a crap, is coming, but whatever. Next up. All righty. So Japan's very first black-owned anime studio should be on every fan's radar. So uh, there's lots of anime fans, but many are probably not aware of how the industry has evolved to encompass a greater scope of diverse animators contributing to the medium of Japanese anime. One example is Dark Stagio, a 2D animation studio situated in Tokyo, founded by 32-year-old animator Henry Thurlow, background artist Arthel Isom, and his twin brother Darnell. The three created a studio that would infuse American sensibilities in with Japanese anime and ended up working on some fairly huge anime projects. The Isom twins are both black men, making Dart Stagio one of the first major anime studios founded by black men. Um, what have done? Uh, let's see here. So it looks like they have worked on, they've worked on some bits of, they've done a lot of key animations for a lot of stuff that you know about, like Bleach, Gintama, Black Butler, Lupin the Third, uh, movie. Uh, and th- this was before, I guess they, they did this, but it looks like they worked on Castlevania season three. Uh, some part of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Golden Wind, which is kind of funny because I know a friend of mine that's actually going through that right now, and apparently the ending theme is uh, Freaking You by Jodeci. Okay. So that's kind of funny. Uh, Seven Deadly Sins, Gintama, Tokyo Ghoul, Re, uh, and One Piece, apparently they must have worked on some parts of and some other stuff. But yeah, some of those names you already you know some some things about that they've worked on, so that's pretty great. Uh, moving right along, uh, some sad news that is going to round out. Well, so we've got one more after this, but, uh, the new Batman Adventures voice actor, Mel Winkler dies at 78, who is the voice of, uh, Lucius Fox in the new Batman Adventures. And he's all, apparently he was also a character actor on numerous TV shows. Like that name sounds kind of familiar, but I'm not thinking about anything that he's uh, been in. But apparently, according to this, Winkler portrayed uh, Lucius Fox in four episodes of New Batman Adventures. Uh, he also voiced Commissioner Henderson on Superman, the animated series, and was Johnny Snowman on the 2001-2003 Nickelodeon animated show Oswald. Um, and he's done a lot of live-action work, including some adventures uh, of Superman, Star Trek Voyager, ER, MRPD Blue, The Shield, Babylon 5, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Doesn't does it say what he passed from. It, oh, uh, per deadline, family spokesperson Courtney Benson announced that Winkler passed away in a sleep from unknown causes. So um, condolences to his family and folks. Next. All righty. Um, Last but not least, the director of Wanted, the movie based on uh, the Mark Millar and J.G. Jones miniseries of the same name, 
wants to resurrect the idea of Wanted 2 and create a sequel to the 2008 movie through the use of screen life technology. Um, he wants to do the sequel and screen life said uh, uh, Beck, uh, his full name is uh, Timur Bekmam Betov. Bekmam Betov. Sorry if I uh, butchered that. I had to work my way through it slowly. Um, he can't imagine an assassin in today's world would run with a gun. Why? He will use drones. He will use computer technology, probably. You don't need to bend bullets anymore. You need to bend ideas. So, essentially, screen life is a subgenre of film where everything takes place through the screen of a phone, tablet, or laptop. Okay. Mm. I don't know. I feel like he would probably still actually use a gun. But hey, you know, that's sure. They talk about that movie Unfriended, which I know some people have liked. And I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I don't I don't need that. But yeah, if that ever happens and he does this, then there you go, folks. Wanted, actually, the first, that Wanted movie wasn't terribly, wasn't too terrible. If you've ever watched it. Uh, I haven't seen it all the way through. Yeah. I've seen pieces. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's all right. Um, so that is it. I'm sorry. It was back in 2008. Yeah. Yeah. But before, um, actually yeah, it was before, uh, McAvoy ended up being professor X. Yeah. So yeah. So whether he would actually come back forward, that's a whole nother situation. Um, if it lended itself for that. So anyway, we are going over to the comic book news. I was about to say the news about Mel Winkler. Uh, yeah, he, I can. Uh, that was, that that was, was, that was a nice touch. Yeah, it was a nice touch. Uh, 15 black comic writers whose work you need to read. Like last week, we gave you, well, excuse me, CBR gave you a list of uh, 15 black comic artists that you need to check out. And this week, actually, it just came out like that, I want to say the day after um, that, or the day after we recorded it. Uh, so here's uh, 15 black comic writers that you should check out. First on the list, Christopher Priest. Yes. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you know you know my love of Priest's run on, on, on Black Panther. You know we talked about uh, Deathstroke. His Deathstroke run was actually pretty good. Actually, I need to finish that run. And his various other um, uh, stuff that he's, that he's done. Um, Tanahisi Coates. I'm not gonna go through this whole thing, but list. But uh, N.K. Jemison, who's done that far, who's doing that far sector um, uh, miniseries that I think may have wrapped up already. Bidaya Alaya, um, Brian Edward Hill, who we have, we've had on the show before, and of course Dwayne McDuffie, uh, and and some other folks that we have uh, that we have probably either talked about or talked to. Um, I think we haven't talked to half of these little people. Uh, but we definitely talked about them. But you should definitely check out that list because it's pretty good. And I, I endorse the majority of this list. I don't know about that. Well, I had an alright run. I'm letting me shut up. Um, but yeah, go check that out. Next. Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's Dark Knights of Death Metal launches next week already. Gosh, how time is flying during the pandemic. Before it even debuts, the event is growing by three new specials that are all on sale in September. 
They are 48-page one-shots. Dark Knight's Death Metal Trinity Crisis, Mm. Dark Knight's Death Metal Speed Metal, and Dark Knight's Death Metal Multiverse's End all spring out of the events of August's Death Metal number three, while the main seven-issue series takes September off as a skip month. Okay. And the reason why you heard me yay is because, hey, we, we now have something else with a crisis in the name from D.C., which, um, spoiler alert, folks, we might be doing a crisis next year, next week. In fact, there's no might about it, but we'll get to we'll talk about that later. Well, uh, you know, if it's coming from Snyder and Capullo, it's going to involve night and metal. Yes. So. Um, yeah, which I never read. And I know you guys did. So good luck with that. <laughs> uh, next up, Gold Lantern debuts in DC Comics' Legion of Superheroes. This uh, week. Yes, this week. Um, I don't think any of us are reading this, actually. Gold Lantern cool. has had his uh, big DC Comics debut in Legend of Superheroes this week. Uh, there's been a ton of Spectrum Colored Warriors to grace the pages of the company's books. Uh, Brian Michael Bennis and his team was teasing big things in regards to the young hero's origin story. I'm already afraid, even though I'm not reading it. Um, uh, Gold Lantern may look like a strange reflection of the Sinestro Corps, but he's another thing entirely, according to Bendis. This probably surprises readers, and it certainly surprised Superboy when he saw the Yellow Streak fly into battle with Krat and the Horror Collective. Um... So, yeah, the United Planets were under siege and things were a little bit hairy for the heroes until GL swooped in for the timely assist. So, yeah, got a new lantern and somehow it's going to get justified. So, if you're reading that, good luck with that. Next. All right, DC Cybernetic Summer Anthology Special sends the Justice League on vacation. Uh, it's an all new anthology special featuring short stories by several creators, including Max Bemis. Greg Smallwood, Marguerite Sauvage, Joshua Williamson, Steve Orlando, Nicola Scott, David LaFuente, and more. The stories send the characters on summertime adventures as Harley Quinn heads to the water park, while Red Tornado goes camping with his family and Batman tries to back out of a summer cookout. Is this going to be published online, or is this going to receive a hard uh, copy publication? They call Um, it Cybernetic Summer, that's why. Yeah. Um, 80-page uh, prestige format one-shot on sale at comic book stores and participating online retailers June 28th. Oh. All right, so it, it will be getting both uh, digital and hard copy release. Okay. Yes. Um, next up, Bendis' Superman exit is so far away, he he clarifies, which, not a think about it, wait. Um, I think th- there was a... So, yeah, the initial title of this article, by the way, was called, was Brian Michael Bendis wrapping up his Superman run. So I guess they uh, changed. Uh, they must have gone back and changed the um, changed the uh, the titling because of something because of uh, something Bendis said. So, and yes, there is an update in this article saying that Brian Michael Bendis is adding to comments he recently made about reflecting on his Superman run as he headed towards his end. So basically in a podcast interview, he said something about, I'm heading toward, uh, Brenda says, I'm heading towards the end of my run on Superman, so I've been more reflective on it. To which that sprouted all a bunch of uh, articles, including this one, saying, oh, Bendis is leaving Superman soon. But he did not say that. 
uh, and when asked about the comments by a Twitter user in reference to Newsarama's June article, which is coming from the DC exclusive writer told the comic retailer Jetpack Comics on June 10th, it's so far away. Kind of a non-headline, so don't even worry about it. Mm-hmm. So basically, he said something. They were some folks ran with it, and he, he um, clarified. So it was kind of, a, as this article says, kind of not a not a headline as much. But that's kind of what happens when you're doing this kind of stuff. Next up, all right. Next up, and probably the biggest bit of comic book business news that has dropped since the pandemic hit. Um, and it's obviously related to the next biggest, which is DC um, distributing their books through um, re- uh, through distributors uh, that are subsidiaries, essentially, of uh, other comic book stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, publisher, DC, will no longer distribute through Diamond Comics, the industry leader, Diamond Comic Distributors, the industry leader in comics distribution. It's a seismic shift for the comic book industry. DC's cut ties with them. The announcement has made, was made via an email to retailers sent Friday, the last Friday morning, always um, taking things out with the trash, dumping all the news on a Friday morning or Friday, with the company telling customers that all orders for DC product will be fulfilled by Lunar Distribution and UCS Comic Distributors for periodical releases and Penguin Random House for graphic novels and collected editions. The email sent to retailers explained, We recognize that to many of you this may seem like a momentous decision. However, we can assure you that this change in DC's distribution plans has not been made lightly and follows a long period of thought and consideration, the change of direction is in line with DC's overall strategic vision intended to improve the health of and strengthen the direct market as well as grow the number of fans who read comics worldwide. And so that, all I have to say is, is that's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, well, there, there may be something else behind it that we don't know about it, but that's just pretty much the gist of it. And, and I know we've, and we've talked about this before. We talked about when this initially happened, the, the, or at least their initial break off from Diamond in the wake of uh, COVID and whatnot happened. But, and I know people are still kind of grousing about it and probably somewhat so, right, so because it puts more work on them, sure, whatever. But the one thing that people tout is that, boy, those Batman books really sell well. So these people who are grousing about it are still going to buy those, get those Batman books that say they so covered, covered in their stores and that people use as a benchmark for good comic book sales. Um, as opposed to, you know, other books that could use some things. But anyway, that being said, that is that. So Stay tuned for that ongoing thing. Uh, in relation to Mile High Comics reacts to Diamond, DC's Diamond departure with DC Sucks sale. Ah. Uh, in a, yeah, so we just talked about the, the DC Comics, uh, what DC Comics is doing. In a special newsletter, Mile High Comics founder uh, Chuck Rosansky explained that this was in response to what he perceived to be com- DC Comics's sticking a shiv into the back of Diamond Comics distributors and Diamond founder Steve Geppi, quote-unquote. Uh, Rosansky then expressed frustration and criticized DC for essentially acting in a way that will prove detrimental to the revival of 2,000-plus direct market comic book retailers, except for that it's not. It's one company doing this. It's not everybody doing this. Yes, it's a, big, it's a major company. But that's, I feel like part of that might be a little bit overblown. 
But it might be true. We, I mean, it could very well be a bad move on DC's part. We don't know yet. Uh, he didn't speculate that the move by DC was prompted by an urgent need for an increased cash flow, as <laughs> Agent 70 kind of also mentioned. Uh, created by AT&T's costly acquisition of Time Warner, as well as the expenses accrued to consequences of uh, coronavirus pandemic. They needed immense amounts of cash flow to service their debt, and they needed it immediately. Sure, that's one way to spin it. I feel like, like I said, there could be something else in here that's that's not being talked about. That's probably the thing, but we also know that there's money on the table, so we're not. No one's blind enough to think that that's not a part of this. Next up, uh, while not addressing the shockwaves caused by DC cutting ties with Diamond Comic Distributors directly, uh, on Friday, last Friday, IDW Publishing issued a pledge of support for direct market comic book shop owners on one of the most volatile days in industry history. Uh, the San Diego, California-based publisher announced it is extending returnability for at least another seven weeks in an effort to help alleviate financial risk for retailers caught in the middle of the sudden distribution upheaval. Okay. Yeah, IDW loves sliding in the DMs. Mm. Um, and basically saying, hey, we're still here, folks. Hey, hi. How you, you know, we're still with that diamond. <laughs> Don't forget about us. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, Marvel responds to the use of Punisher Skull by police officers. Um, yeah, and actually there is, I think there is something that, uh, I think they've also said shortly after this article came out that there was not much they can do, but then there were people who were like, well, I put up this other thing that was even just a fan thing, and y'all told me to take it down in five hours. Anyway, so the initial thing was, so this goes back to what we talked about last week with the police using the Punisher logo, and well, the police and military in various places using the, the Punisher logo, um for their own because in the wake of the black live matters protests and just in general in the past uh when there's been unrest uh and like i said i think they marvel has since come out since this article and said that there's not much they could do in fact i have seen that um article uh, or I've, I have seen that quote from them, but, and like I said, the aforementioned rebuttals from folks, you know, getting takedown notices or whatnot from things that they've done that Marvel has, you know? Right. But online, that's the thing, you know, putting a sticker on something, you know, that's, that's, I think the, 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 the big picture look at it, which is, you know, um, uh, these folks who have appropriated the Punisher symbol wrongly, right. uh, decide to put these, you know, and, and, and unfortunately in the world of um, vinyl cut stickers being so easy to come by. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, essentially how a lot of this stuff happens. So, um, you know, it, it is uh, more difficult for Marvel to, you know, to even send a cease and desist to like a police department, whereas something that you put online is a little easier to track down and you know, send through like your IP address or, you know, through your server or something. I mean, so I think you definitely would know more than I would, but I feel like some of that, some of that could, I don't know. I feel like there have been trademark. I'm just the technical difference, right? You know, that that's the technical difference when it comes to, you know, that particular, you know, attempt at a, at a rebuttal. Sure. Because, you know, uh, you know, uh, if I put a vinyl cut Punisher sticker on my laptop, they couldn't stop me if I, you know, if I made the, the, the sticker myself and that's mm-hmm. really what it comes down to. Gotcha. But 
you know, uh, at the end of the day, uh, I think the spirit of it is is right. They just can't. They don't have many tools, you know, in any you know in any in any real sense of, of you know to force them, you know, unless the departments start to do something about it, because mm-hmm. that's what you know if you know if they're putting it on uh, something official, they shouldn't. Right. I got you. Like I said, I defer to you on, on those legal matters and something like that, but something about that still, like, I, and I've seen cases where I was like, that seemed like a similar case to this, That, but what you said definitely stands, stands, you know, to be the case, because, yeah, I, I've also seen that being the case also. Um, so speaking of on that front, um, Punisher creator planning a fundraiser project to reclaim Skull. Uh, so Punisher co-creator Jerry Conway is looking to spearhead a fundraising campaign that would seek to reclaim the character's iconic skull logo, which has infamously been co-opted by members of the military and law enforcement. And this is kind of going off of what we said uh, in response. This is kind of what Conway is doing in response to, uh, you know, law enforcement and the military doing that. And maybe possibly with Marvel's response to this, he may have been already on the way to doing this initially, though. Um, I don't know. Let's see. Does it say, um, oh yeah. So you can see his tweet here. He says, I'm looking for a young comic book artist of color who'd like to participate in a small fundraising project for black lives matter to reclaim the puncher skull as a symbol of justice rather than lawless, uh, police oppression respond and follow so we can DM. And then he links to, uh, I guess another um, article. So next up, Alrighty, next up. Wow, we're talking about Empire. Remember that? Yeah. Unified Kree Skrull Alliance looming on Earth's doorstep. They're still coming. Uh, yeah, Captain America knows he needs reinforcements. And thus, the call is sent and answered in Empire Avengers and the upcoming three-issue series. Writer Jim Zub and artist Carlos Magno lead a three-pronged approach that includes classic heroes like Scarlet Witch, Vision, Wonder Man, and Mockingbird, as well as cult favorites. Like Quicksilver, Luke Cage, Doctor Fudu, uh, Kazar, Doctor Nemesis, and Black Knight. Okay. Yeah. Why is Black Knight getting the head on this? Probably has something to do with uh, Eternals coming out at some point, more than likely. Because who cares? More about than- that? Who cares about the fool outside of that? And so get a, get your uh, Black Knight uh, Marvel Legends figures out, folks. Yeah, I got. Them. I know. That's why I said that. <laughs> um, so yeah, apparently. Um, yeah, Black Knight is, is is coming back and is a part of Empire. Now, granted, this is, so uh, their approach to this kind of sounds like what they did with um, Secret Wars, the last Secret War, not Secret Wars, War of the Realms, where they were fighting a battle on different fronts. So, you know, there's probably going to be a lot, even though this is uh, being touted as Avengers Fantastic Four uh, Empire in some places. So, you know, sure, moving right along. Um, I guess going back to Daredevil, Daredevil writer Chip Zdarsky preps to change everything about the character. And uh, as uh, Agent 70 talked about earlier, sounds like he's might be making those moves with this week's issue. Right. It starts with this week's issue and the cliffhanger ending at the end of it. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. Yeah, apparently uh, this is... Uh, yeah, Daredevil 20 on June 20th picks up where from a cliffhanger left by March 4th uh, 19 so 
So yeah, there you go. And then I think it goes into an article with uh, it goes into an interview with uh, Zdarsky about what he plans to do cool. going forward or what have you. Next up. All right, 2020 is the 20th anniversary of the X-Men Evolution animated series, which is on Disney+. Plus. It is. And for occasion, Marvel Comics is collecting the long out-of-print tie-in comic book series by writer Devin K. Grayson and the art group Studio XD and Udon Studios. Okay. This is, I knew this was going to happen with Newsarama when they got, got swept over. God, dog it. Um, have you watched um, X-Men? Uh, evolution a few episodes here and there yeah same um yeah i think after i finish which i'm actually almost finished do going to kind of a light rewatch of uh anime uh 90s x-men anime series i might actually partake of that it's, okay. it's, it's kind of one of those things like yeah i kind of did a, an episode here and there and it's usually like one of the first few matter of fact i don't think i've ever watched uh wolverine and x-men either i think i've watched like one episode or two Right. But that's the same. So yeah, there you go. If you're a fan of X Men Evolutions, but I know it's probably some folks' first X Men show. Um, right. There's always <laughs> it's generational, right? Yeah. There's always somebody's first cartoon when it comes to these characters. So mm-hmm. and that's that they that they revere and love best. Exactly. Um, next up, uh, I can't, well, we kind of already talked about this, but um, Excalibur reveals how spoiler just became the new Captain Britain. Um, and, and as we said, uh, uh, we're talking about this week's uh, issue, it's it's more than one, so we don't necessarily have to go through that. Um, next up, right? So today, uh, Sony broadcast the announcement of the new PlayStation Five coming out this winter for the holiday season, uh, and part of the announcement included a sequel to Insomniac Spider-Man game, which I still not have played because I don't own a PS4. I haven't finished uh, it. I'm sorry? I haven't finished it. Uh, we'll launch with the PS5 this holiday season. At an event detailing the PS5's upcoming release, Sony dropped a trailer for Spider-Man Miles Morales, which will star Peter Parker's young protege, Miles Morales, uh, as portrayed in the... Uh, Insomniac, the first Insomniac Spider-Man game. Mm-hmm. Uh, minute-long video sends Miles into action, leaping over cars, swinging between buildings, and fighting off villains. It also shows off some of his powers, including his Venom Strike and Invisibility. So The pro ends with the tagline, be greater, be yourself. Sorry. It's okay. That was just the last line. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, if the, 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 the PS4 Spider-Man is a great game. Yes, I haven't finished it. I recognize that. But, and definitely Miles gets introduced and include, matter of fact, his, his dad shows up early on and, and uh, has a, you know, before Miles gets properly introduced, like we see a shot of Miles way, way earlier in the, in the, in the thing. But Miles' dad kind of helps out Spidey with the thing. And I think from there, Miles gets introduced properly. Whether he gets his powers or not, I'm not entirely sure because one, I hadn't finished, and I don't know if they're going to do this thing where, they, where some video games do, where it's like I'm going to we're going to change the ending a little slightly so to set up the sequel, or they may have already done that, or they may have already done the legwork to them, but we don't know. But yeah, because the Sony's did their um, what would have then been their E3 presentation today as of this uh, recording, and I still need to go and watch the stuff that came out of there because they I think they showed PS5 hardware. Uh, this came out during that and some other other video games. So, and this is also probably going to prompt me to go finish Spider Man finally, because there you go. There's a lot to that game. 
a whole there you lot. Go. I mean, my hope is that when I finally plunk down the dough for PS5, uh, I believe it's going to have backwards compatibility with the with the PS4 game. So yes, yes, uh, uh, that'll I, yeah, be that's the a rumor. Time. And that right, game's cheap now. Sorry. Right, but I was going to say that'll be the time for me to uh, dive into um, the Insomniac Spider-Man game. So you can get go get them back to back. Pretty like, much, pretty one much. I mean, other. held off on, and, and I've detailed this on the show. I've held off on the PS4 purchase during quarantine mm-hmm. simply because. I didn't want to be uh, obsolete in less than six months, and that's exactly what's about to happen. So eh, that's not entirely true. I mean, because there's there's people that's because of reasons are going to hold off on the PS5 when it initially comes out, which is probably a good reason to do in certain. Terms. So the PS4 is still going to have some legs until shortly after that comes out proper. Right. What I was going to add is there's always the initial fear of bugs being worked out and this and that, and also. Uh, everyone's going to wait for that initial price price drop after the initial release, and that's going to um, be a while. I know so. I've been following this that beat for a while. That's going to be a good while before Sony before Sony does that. So good luck in that one. Right. It usually takes a year. Uh huh. You know, usually a Christmas. It's a Christmas to Christmas uh, transition. So we'll see how long it takes me to you know plunk down the dough and uh, figure out how much time I have on my hands to uh, play a PS5 game. Indeed, uh, and if there's one you you're going to want to play, it's probably going to be that Spider-Man game because if you are into that type of game, because I have to put that kind of thing because not everybody's into open world, uh, open world games in general, but an open world Spidey game with some really good mechanics to it, and Batman Combat, you know, if you like the Batman uh, Arkham's series type combat, you uh, I had my sure. with the yeah, I mean it's it's like I said, it's all about time. Mm-hmm. Because if you invest the time in learning it, then you can really enjoy it. Yeah, and it's kind of one of those things, as I as I can pretty much attest to, you kind of might want to, if you're going to start it, try to finish it. Because trying to get back into, especially if it's an open world game like that, and there's a lot to it, and a lot of side missions and whatever. Like, yeah, you can kind of get back into it, especially if it's got a relatively deep combat, or, or even a similar kind of deep combat kind of takes a minute to kind of get back into and trying to figure out where you are, especially when there's so much that opens up in games like that. You, you <laughs> might want to try to blow through it or not blow through it, but trying to get through it as best you can, if, if you can and have the time to, you know, I know some people who pretty much finished that, finished the first game and probably a good week, less than a week. Cause they were, they were at it so much, but they probably may or now have been doing this, like, a lot of the side stuff also. So, right. But also didn't have a, and this was before COVID, so this was like that. Folks had time on their hands. Just, anyway, I'm looking forward to this, and um, I'm yeah, I'm definitely probably going to try to finish that game. And that's about to be a game, as I said, for at this point, it's probably cheap because of the this announcement coming out. It was already cheap in the last couple of weeks because of that. God of War was already cheap because of sales going on. So that's right. They're looking to down, you know, to offload all their stock now. So yeah. So and you, yeah, usually announcements like this kind of be like, hey, guess what? We still got this old stuff. You know, go, you know, go check out. So yeah, get them right now. Anyway, that's that. I I'm looking forward to it. Next up, say goodbye to Go Go Power Rangers with writers Cinegrace and Ryan Parrott. Um, apparently, Go Go Power Rangers the um, uh, actually wait, is that this week? I want to say that's the, that might be this week. Um. Hang on a second. I'm looking. I'm looking this up really, 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 really quick. Did that not come out this? Yep, that came out this week. So, 
Um, and in fact, it says so right here in the story. So what began as a series of, to showcase the day-to-day complications that came with balancing life as a Power Ranger and high school student uh, became a story about saying goodbye. Um, hitting comic book stores June 10th, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers companion series, uh, Go Go Power Rangers wraps up after 32 issues with the last piece of the Omega Rangers origin story. Uh, luckily, Nuka's around. Uh, okay, yes, yeah, so this goes into an article. I mean, goes into an interview with uh, uh, Senator Grayson and Ryan Parrott about the ending of that. I so I was one of I probably was the only one in this group. Excuse me, <laughs> um, my apologies. <clears throat> that was actually reading those books, and once it got past uh, the uh, that first big storyline, which is great, you should definitely read it. Um, it got kind of, I got kind of lost in a whole bunch of other stuff going on. So trying to read that and those two books tying into each other and the event tying into each, you know, both tying into the event books. Um, and also I did not necessarily feel that Go-Go Power Rangers was necessary. Uh, but at the same time, because I felt like they could have lengthened the, the main uh, Power Rangers book and by kind of putting some of this stuff in as but that's just me. I am not a comic writer, so I don't know a thing about a thing. Uh, but the fact that it was, as some folks have said, a fairly good companion piece to the main book, you know, and this is not the first companion piece to any book in any, you know, in, in on by any publisher. So I am, you know, we just talked about West Coast Avengers last week. <laughs> and that's not necessarily a companion piece, but it's just more adventure, you know, another group of Avengers. Slightly different, but similar concept, you know. Um, I've heard good things about this book, so it's sad to see it go for whatever reason. And I know they've had this other necessary evil event that I hadn't read yet that was supposed to be actually pretty good too. You know, doing things for that world. So, if you are so interested, you can check out this article and check out those books because, like I said, uh, that Power Rangers book was actually not bad. Um, but next up and final, right? Um, it's not it's not quite the final because I I did see something today related to this. So Comic-Con, as in San Diego Comic-Con, shares its first details on SDCC replacement Comic-Con at home. Uh, Comic-Con International in San Diego was recently canceled for the very first time ever due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. However, Comic-Con has now shed light on its virtual replacement for the annual event, which has been dubbed Comic-Con at home. Uh, Comic-Con's official press release is below. I'm going to uh, skim through this. Um, Comic-Con at home, an online event that will combine aspects of the convention experience with the comforts of home uh, due to the uh, pandemic. Um, uh, Let's see here. Uh, Right. So although conditions prevent celebrating in person, the show, as they say, must go on. With Comic-Con at home, SDCC hopes to deliver the best of the Comic-Con experience and a sense of its community to anyone with an internet connection and an interest in all aspects of pop culture. Plans for Comic-Con at home include an online online exhibit hall complete with everyone's favorite exhibitors, offering promotions, specials, and limited edition products unique to the celebration. As well, Comic-Con at Home promises exclusive panels and presentations about comics, gaming, television, film, and a wide variety of topics from publishers, studios, and more. As if that weren't enough, Comic-Con at Home will also have a masquerade, gaming, and many other activities in which fans can participate from their own home. Um, 
Although Comic-Con at home will provide badges for fans to print and wear proudly, all aspects of the initiative are free, as in free 99, (gasps) and there are no limits to how many can attend. For the first time in our 50-year history, we are happy to welcome virtually anyone from around the globe. Good luck with your servers, said SDC spokesperson David Glanzer. Though stay-at-home conditions make this a very difficult time, we see this as an opportunity to spread some joy and strengthen our sense of community. Shout out to Marie Kondo. Comic-Con at home will be held on the same dates as the previously canceled Comic-Con, July 22nd to July 26th, 2020, and online attendees are encouraged to use the official hashtag Comic-Con at home hashtag to be included in the virtual activities. Uh, Organizers and participating entities will begin providing additional details and announcements leading up to the event. So uh, that's, you know, that's pretty cool that it's free. Um, It's going to be interesting to see what kind of load their servers are going to encounter if everyone's logging online for the latest Marvel Studios announcement. A lot. Right. I can only imagine. Um, I wanted to follow this up with a story I saw today. I had to just Google it. It was something I saw while I was surfing the net. Um, I was surfing while I was uh, making dinner. The Muppets, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem, are are going to be an exclusive figure set. The fiction Muppet band originally debuted back in 1975 and is a huge part of the Marvel of uh, the Muppet world. All five members are returning with Dr. Teeth, Zoot, Animal, Floyd Pepper, and Janice hitting the stage. I'm going to send you a link. I know you don't like – you're not particularly a fan of Bleeding Cool, but I will shoot um, Roddy Cat this link or maybe even share my screen real quick. Yeah, you can shoot it to me. That's fine. To – so that you can see what this image looks like because it is actually – you know, if I were a, a bigger, I mean, I'm a big Muppet fan. I'd love um, the Electric Mayhem band. It just, they always just had this great look to them. Um, there's no River, to, some, there's no river all, Bottom Nightmare band, but yes. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I was going to say, not all of them come with instruments. Yes. So only, or, or at least from this promo picture, it doesn't look like they all come with instruments. Only some of them do. I'm looking to see. Trying to send you this link. I'm going to send it in in our chat here. And that was a joke, folks. I actually love the um, Doctor Teeth and Electric Mayhem as, as much as um as, mm-hmm. as much as um. Here we go. Is that? Yep. I am putting it up right now. There we go. It's up. Take a look at that image, man. Just scroll down a little. It's uh from oh. Diamond Select Toys. So, yeah, if you're watching the video, you can see Bleeding Cool trying to get my location. No. Um, you can also see the picture of uh, the, the band here looking pretty good. So, that's I mean, actually, that's a pretty nice, you know, figure set. Yeah, that, that's actually pretty nice. I would, I would consider that would be something to consider, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And it says absolutely. here that this price is 120 bucks, so that's not actually not a bad price for for. Yeah, my figures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much going to rate actually. Um, so yeah, if you're into that, uh, you know, like 
those of us of a certain age. I mean, how Muppets are timeless, you know, to, to this band may not necessarily be so from some people that I've talked to, but, but look, uh, pre-order live. Um, there's a link that you can follow to get to the pre-orders. Um, they're also going to be available on sale later on. Uh, they would have been SDCC 2020 exclusives. Hmm. So, yeah, that would have been, I don't, that would have been something I would have asked Matt Wang 97 to get from me, but, uh, you know, considering there might be Marvel legend stuff, but we'll see. Right. Um, but yeah, going back to this whole, uh, comic, comic con at home thing, do you know what this means? We can finally go to comic con. <laughs> It's so, true. Yeah, we can finally go to San Diego, just like we've always never actually put that much effort to. Well, actually, we have put effort into, but it never worked out when we've tried. It, it, listen, it's just one of those things, you know. Like uh, I'm fortunate to be, to have one of the larger uh, comic cons in my backyard. Right. So, you know, the bigger New York got, the less I was really looking to go to San Diego. As as much fun as going to San Diego would be. Right, it's pretty much the same, relatively the same, you know, the same thing on a different coast. Right. So, uh, you know, some of us are not in places like that, but we have a pretty good um, uh, convention here <laughs> called uh, Heroes Con, by the way. Hi, which is, I think they canceled finally, but actually, you know, I don't know if they did or not. I think they did finally cancel it. Actually, no, I think about it. Uh, yeah. I was about to say, any con, any con going through the summer's already been canceled. Yeah, because uh, the last we talked about it, they had said they were they were going to work with the things, but then I think I do remember something which I don't think we talked about, but they did end up canceling Heroes Con for this year. Right. New York is still in October. Um, we're actually get coming up on um, uh, the time where we would be sitting at home to register for tickets, to right. be honest. So I don't know what the situation is going to be. I don't know if they're going to come out and cancel it uh, for this year, given the state of, um, you know, the state of the pandemic and, uh, you know, possible uh, reoccurrence of the, uh, you know, of the virus in, in, in several places around the world and around the country. It's, yeah, at least in my opinion, unlikely that we're going to have a near Comic Con this year as well. Yeah, it's kind of a weird wait and see because, like, yeah, being that's that's the case, it's like, okay, do people actually go and get tickets and not knowing whether it's actually still going to go on, even though it looks better than it looks relatively better than a summer one at this point, but we right. still don't know what's going to happen between now and then. Or I mean, but they can issue most; they can issue refunds, except for like maybe like a service charge. True. So. You know, but I don't but, think but I honestly do, think I can see myself, you know, in in a big crowded, you know, like basically swimming in a sea of people. Uh, exactly, and that's up. the other thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it looks like okay, like yeah. Do we do we do we do that? Risk it? Do we do that? And not risk it? Do we do that? And have to worry about you know whether they're going to refund the money and, and be still be charged a service charge for it because you know they there's still kind of a whole lot up in there, and that's kind of even d- despite the fact that. You know, New York is that late in the year, and you know, and subsequent ones because I think Baltimore is actually that Baltimore's right after. Yeah, Baltimore's like a week or two after. So yeah, uh, those are the last two kind of big cons for the year. Right. So with San Diego down, I think everyone's looking to New York and Baltimore as like the last chance for any sort of con-related revenue, mm-hmm. and you know, because they're both in October. But the the the, the further along we get in the summer. 
um, you know, the, the worse that looks. If I recall correctly, we already passed, or at least we're right at that time where we would be doing New York Comic Con lotteries anyway. Right. June. I want to say we would have done it in May already or April, so we've already passed that time. Gotcha. Well, yeah, and go, and one last note, like I said, the, uh, the Comic Con, just like uh, E3, which is actually would be going on right now if it was actually going. And the only thing with E3 is that, like, relatively, there are some things that hasn't changed because Sony's got their thing um, coming out. Well, Sony's had their event. That's why we had that Miles Morales news, uh, the uh, Spider-Man game news. Uh, the other companies are doing things throughout the rest of the company, but you know this is kind of one of those times that big conventions are trying to figure out what they're going to do, and going online may or may not be the moves for them. E three's kind of been doing that for like the last couple of years because the press conferences everybody's been able to watch, but then they still have to component where people are there, so that part is kind of out of the out of the thing, and they're trying to work around it. And Evo, even like big uh, fighting game tournaments like that, everything is kind of in a state of flux and trying to figure out where to go from here and trying to figure out if online is the move and like Agent 70 said about this Comic Con thing like yeah those servers I hope they I hope they go big on the servers even you know and that might not still be enough you know to to uh, to deal with what's going on but hopefully who's ever working their providers is is uh I, I don't envy them I really don't no. Bandwidth and server strength, you know, yeah. server capacity. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that that's server a, load is a bad, bad thing to have to deal with. Yep. But anyway, uh, folks, that is we are at the end of our the, the news and at the end of the show. We have one more ad read. Our last ad read of the night, when we're in a hurry and it's been a long day, is for Amazon. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or action figure flight stands. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. Oh, she was almost finished with that. That's fine. Anyway, we thank you, folks. Uh, we are now at the end of another episode of Comic Chronicles. Thank you, each and every one of you, for coming out. Uh, we will be back next week with... I guess we can go ahead and say it. Um, wait, let me make sure that, that was the right one. Because I, 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 I don't want to... I was about to say, we already scheduled it. I know, and I want to make sure that, that I, look, there's a lot going on lately. So, um, yep. So, we are going to be doing DC Comics' Identity Crisis event, which... Wow! Yeah. I haven't read I haven't read in a minute. Um, so, I'm going on bits and pieces. And as we talked about with the last DC event that we talked about, which was... Holy hell, what was it? Um, was it crisis? It, it might have been a crisis. I don't remember which one. Um, no, I think this is on Infinite Earths. We did two parts. Uh, was it crisis on? Well, wait, crisis on Infinite Earths was the first one we did. I thought we did one after that. We did a DC. You know what? Regardless, the last DC crisis. Remember. The, 
<laughs> yeah. Oh no, Blackest Night. Blackest Night. Oh, Blackest Night. You're right. Right. So Blackest Night was heavily inf- uh, uh, in, in influenced out of stuff that came out of I did because I remember we talked about it when we talked about uh, Blackest Night, and it was like, yeah, there was a, there was some stuff that uh, that was that came up in. Especially a couple of key points that came up in Identity Crisis that would that uh, shown itself in the early parts of Blackest Night. So now we get right. to go back and see what those parts were, even though we kind of already kind of glossed upon them when we talked about it in Blackest Night. So yes, that is going to be next week's show. Maybe if there's a couple of books, a couple of new releases that uh, worth talking about, we might push some of that in there. But regardless, this is what we have slated so far. So for that. Um, there we go. As I put that last article in and say that, um, thank you guys for coming out. We record each and every Thursday night. I'm, I'm, I'm getting back to the, to the, to the outros, but, um, because I feel like I keep forgetting to do this. We record each and every Thursday night, 9 30 PM on the click nations, uh, YouTube channel. So I want to go ahead and get that out of the way. So if you are around when we're recording, you can go and check us out as I actually fade away from the, um, there we go. I forgot. I'm actually running into transitions here. Um, because I can do something like that. Oh, Lord. That's not what I meant to do. <laughs> so let me just go ahead while I completely go mental and say that I have been Radicat. You can find me at Radicat on uh, Twitter. You can find me at News Need on Twitter. You can find me at uh, TV Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PCN underscore dirt. You can go to, he's not here this week, but you can go check him out. IPCN underscore dirt on Twitter. Pop culture net on Twitter. Pop culture network.com. And his umbrella sites therein. You can also go check him out on Vine, uh, the vinyl alternative bite under comic reviews. No underscores. No vowels, excuse me. And no underscores. And no underscores. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8, the Osiris that is ish, you can find him at that, uh, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. You can also find him at the Click Nation on Twitter. Uh, that's V-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. You can also find him at CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles, uh, Twitter account. I don't know if I want to, never mind, I'm not going to do that. That's too much. Um, but yeah, you can go check him out. You can go, hey, send something there. We will, we'll all see it. Uh, you can also check him out over on um, Comic Book Resources, where he's over there writing his face off. You can find this here podcast on the Coles Lither Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, you can also find this here podcast on Google Play, uh, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Coles Slither. Uh, the coast of the podcast network's SoundCloud page. We folks will be back next week with the aforementioned identity crisis. And, and actually, the, I from what I remember, dinner, uh, dinner crisis is actually pretty good. Like, uh, it's yeah, it's some stuff happened. Uh, but we'll talk about then. Until then, folks, this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. I love it when a plan comes together.
Start. 